Welcome. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. It's a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up. In our very, very humble opinion, today's podcast is with a fantastic director, Ed Bowes, uh, and he sits down with myself and Matthew and Tori Butler-Hart, who are my guest's hosts today, and he talks all about how he made his three feature films, starting off with Blooded in 2011, and The Mirror in 2014, and his latest film, Trick or Treat, which is out now. He talks all about his journey from short films into feature films, issues with money, and we have a brilliant chat. Um, this week, I, Giles Alderson, that is who I am. Yes, I am Giles. Hello. Hi. Uh, I have been editing the King Arthur movie, Arthur and Merlin, Knights of Camelot. It's been brilliant fun uh, with Oliver, my wonderful editor. He also edited The Dare, and I think he's ace. And we've had so much fun because we haven't had any time. And that's what's really interesting, I think, at the moment, when you don't have time and you kind of have to go, right, we've got to get this to the execs. They need to see this very soon. So what do you do? Do you take the best bits? Do you take the? Do you just try and get an overall picture that's really long? Or do you really work and hone those little bits and pieces? And luckily we've managed to do both um so yeah the first cut obviously i only shot it what it's gosh it's less than a month and we're putting the first edit into the execs it's kind of scary so wish me luck on that um next week i'll let you know what the results were (laughs) but i'm really pleased with it it's been really fun i've obviously also been making the heartless the tv pilot been in the edit on that as well and we're doing the big showcase on december the 5th uh, content london so that's gonna be good so lots of things going on i also did a, a couple of talks this week for filmmakers and what i found is people asking the same questions is how do we move from short films to features how do we progress and i feel it's just one of the things you've just got to keep going don't stop if you really want to do this and you want to write that screenplay and get that film produced and direct a feature then keep going keep knocking on the doors find an investor and then don't ask them directly for the money ask them if they know anyone who would like to invest and bring them on board that way there's so many tricks and tips and obviously we've got 135 podcasts now and amongst there there is so many tips and tricks and every single person who's been on the podcast has a different journey of how they raised the money how they got their films made including me so there is no one answer there is lots of answers and there is many ways you can make your film but don't be put off by that. It's just find your way. Find your tribe. Find the people around you. And go out there. Be inspired. Not just by this, but by many other people as well. And go make your film. One brilliant uh, podcast to listen to is a Film Pro Productivity podcast. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling you need some inspiration, then the lovely Carter Ferguson will give you that. Film Pro Productivity podcast. Go listen to that, filmmakers. It will inspire you. Thank you very much for listening today. Really appreciate it. I'm going to give some shout outs to those wonderful people who have helped me the last couple of months i'd say just uh, on the twitters shout outs all that kind of stuff which we love if you want to shout on this podcast or you want to come on then why not contact me on twitter give us a shout out say you listen to the podcast and it's brilliant and get your friends to listen why not that's how we grow so shout outs to jessica cleary Andy Robinson, Dustin Curtis Murphy, uh, Christopher Taylor, lovely Chris Taylor, um, Mark Robbins, uh, Peter McKiernan, 
and uh, all the team behind A Serial Killer's Guide to Life and a big special thanks to Jason Sanderson he's been my podcast guru for a lot of this time anyway let's get to today's podcast um yeah we sat down at the union and we had some fun here it is enjoy and we will see you next tuesday we've got a really special guest for you next tuesday we've got the producer the oscar winning producer no less of frozen look forward to that until then go make your film make it happen listen to this week's podcast first obviously get loads of tips from ed give him a shout out on twitter wherever you can find him uh, and I'll, uh, yeah, listen to this week's podcast. It's on that. Now, it's starting. Now, I'm going to, I need to edit it. Robbie's ill. Bless you, Robbie. He's had his appendix out right now. And I've got to sit and do this. <laughs> Here it is. <sighs> what was that? We, we just all went quiet. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're turning over. Uh, yeah. We are in the Union uh, Club again. Uh, I am with Matthew and Tori Butler Hart as my guest hosts again today. How are thank, you, chaps? Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thanks, Charles. Yeah, this is fun. It's fun. I'm enjoying it's, it. Yeah, it's like the I second guess. one in a really short space of time. Yeah, uh, yeah but great. I but mean, absolutely great, right? <laughs> we should do more. <laughs> well, let's we hope. should do this let's more. Hope. Yeah. I hope your listeners are like, oh, God, no, oh, not those I two mean. again. Oh, Christ, please. <laughs> Don't mention that. There's one thing films. I like doing is banging on about films. So yeah, that, there is that. Yeah. And banging on about your films, which are both brilliant, which is two down. You can get that now. But The Isle uh, is is pretty much brand new and available for people to watch now. Yeah, on all the... Yeah, after lovely um, cinema releases in America and uh, and the UK. Yeah, uh, it's, it's on, on everything. Lionsgate put it on everything. Yeah. Love Lionsgate. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it hasn't yeah. done the SVOD stuff, so all the Netflixy bits <laughs> coming Lionsgate. later. The Lionsgate, I love you. No, I love um, Lionsgate. No. Um, yeah, it's on TVOD at the Virgin, moment, so you still got to buy um, it and or rent it. Yeah, I think it's it's poster boy thing. That oh, yeah. doesn't make sense, what? Tory. That's, it's it's the poster like so for like folk Virgin horror. Like in a folk horror, it, what, it's kind of like the poster. You know, the po- uh, yeah. 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 yeah, Halloween, so yeah, it's, folk it's, it's horror. Cool. If you've got Virgin, that the aisle is there. Like, yeah. Folk horror to watch. Although, to be fair, it's whoop, just whoop. Emma in, a, in some woods. Yeah. It doesn't say the eyes. Do, do people get it. slightly confused with sort of trying to get folk music and they come across and they, your and then film? They come across, yeah, and then they get some sort of Scottish piping. Brilliant. Scottish piping. Sc- yeah. Scottish piping film. How to make Scottish piping. <laughs> I don't know why I did Partridge. I have no idea. Again, that's your go-to Apologies. Go-to. Yeah. Yours is the We weird. did Arnie last time and then you did Partridge again. Partridge, yeah. again, it's all yeah. I can do. You've got your little old Scottish lady, so there is that. <laughs> Good to know. Hi. So obviously Tori and Matt are filmmakers. Uh, actor as well is Tori. Matthew is now a director and producer. Tori is a producer and they both write together as well. And they're mm. a company, Fizz and Ginger. Yep. And they do have a book coming out. Mm. Let's get to today's guest. Yes, please. Because, uh, yeah, that book will be available in 2021. So yes. if you're listening to this in 2021, why have you not got it already? Exactly. Why, why haven't you bought this amazing book for Christmas for your kids? <laughs> Our guest today is a fantastic filmmaker, director, screenwriter Ed Boaz. Is that how you pronounce your name? Boaz. Boaz. I, said, I, said, I said that. Like the speakers. I had one yeah, like fucking job. Yes. So it's that fucking age. I'm so yeah, sorry. Billions. I bet it has. Yeah. yeah. I bet. So do people? <laughs> do you get it pronounced? Because my name gets pronounced wrong all the time. Alderson. Alderson, you did it right. Well, we done. Done it. well done. I feel like that's cool. I get yeah. Anderson what? all the time, but oh, Americans they just don't read it. Americans oh. can't say Giles, so I get Giles or Gillers. <laughs> <laughs> and go, yep, yep, yeah, that's me. I'll take That'll that. Gillers Anderson, yay! <laughs> did I win an award? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll God. take it. Well, you went Australian. I like that. <laughs> I'll take it. You old muckers. <laughs> 
I didn't. Um, so anyway, <laughs> moving on. So Ed, obviously, it's a delight to have you on. Thank you, you. You've made three feature films now. You've made uh, an array of shorts, um, which is amazing. You made Blooded, your first feature film, The Mirror, and the latest film, which is out now, Trick or Treat, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. I think it's a, a really impressive stats, you know, to make three feature films is tough. But I was looking at a stat the other day. Oh, mm, mm, and the, mm. to make a second feature film is like 85%. The people don't do it. I think a third one is yeah. 94% or something. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make it's a third. Don't. Don't yeah. make right, a third okay. movie. Yeah. So basically, yeah. basically 20% yeah. Six, that 6% do, a second, do. And 5% do it. Yeah. And the women's yeah. one is even lower. Yeah. Says it all, I mean, really, at the moment yeah. in our But our growing. Climate. But hugely growing. We were growing, chatting growing. to the BFI people yesterday. Yeah. And like, Trisha, and, and it's, for it's, London it's, Film it's Festival, yeah. Going mm. up quite quickly. Not quick enough, of course. But, of like, course. you know, considering uh, from 2017 to now, it's, it's kind it's, of yeah. Yeah, people are making a difference. People are actually going out there and getting female filmmakers and pushing that out. And great. Mm. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. Let's do mm. it. Well, and, also, and also there is building support for male or female or mm-hmm. whoever that for not just first films but mm-hmm. actually for second and third and so you know it's 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 getting there because actually i think we sort of forget that you know great that you got your first one out there but how hard it is for the second it's actually even harder right? <laughs> and then, the, and then third. the third yeah you've got to you've got to be a serious masochist i mean yeah. let's face yeah. it you yeah, that, really isn't that why it. we do it though? <laughs> We're masochistic yeah. bastards. But it, okay, so let's talk about your journey because we, you do have to love it to, to make a film. You do have to go, you do. this is what I want to do with all my heart because it is very hard. As much as we talk about that and people go, oh, get over yourself. You're getting to make a film. But it's still really hard. So look, obviously you made a couple of shorts first. You made Taboo and One Small Leap. But mm-hmm. do, do you want to talk about how you got there and how you got to your sort of uh, I making just, Actually, feature? I just did a, another short last year. Yes, you but did. this recent thing that I shot. Yeah. And I sort of thought that I was done with shorts. Um, mm. But I had an offer I couldn't refuse, which was um, it was a short film that was going to be shot in Leaveston. Mm-hmm. Which is great because it's very close to where I live. You can pretty okay. much take the handbrake off and roll downhill. Perfect. Um, and um, I'd never been. I mean, I've been to Harry Potter. You the know, world. I've not been. Office yet. office outing. Um, nice. Congratulations. Yeah, but well, we're very generous, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, but oh. I'd never I'd never been. And um, and this short film, it was incredible. It was it was one of the, I think it was possibly the best resource short film in history. So we had stage L, which wow. is where they shot. All the Potters, Kingsmen. I mean, you walk in. There's a plaque outside the sort of front front door. Everything from sort of Golden Eye onwards. Amazing. Nice. Um, and um, we had um, uh, so in the cast we had Joe Dempsey. Who, oh, I did the mm. Damned United with. Oh yes, and back in the day. Amazing. Yeah, he's yeah. An amazing guy. Really what cool. a, I mean, he's a fantastic guy. People know him from Game of Thrones now, right? People yeah. know him as Gendry from Game of Thrones mm. um, and various other things. I think he's starring in The Right Stuff. They're doing a TV thing of The Right Stuff. What, the of the actual TV programme with uh, okay. Matthew Wright? Yeah, actually, I, I should have said that. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. He's doing something like that. That's so amazing. But he's been doing things like Deep, deep State. He did Deep State with Mark Strong. He did. Anyway, Episode 19, if you want to listen I mean, to that. I mean, it's an absolute pleasure. And we had... Oh, yeah. um, it, was, it was kind of like some of the Harry Potter crew doing a short film. So we had a guy called Alan Gilmore who mm-hmm. art directed, I think, the first three films. Yep. So he was doing it. Right. The reason all these people came together is because the short film was produced by a guy called Spencer Solomon. Right. Who is Daniel Radcliffe's producing partner. Yeah. Ah. Um, so it was this sort of, um, it was this amazing opportunity to work with uh, a DP called Balaj Boygo. Mm-hmm. 
if you know him. Mm-hmm. So he did Collateral with uh, Kerry Mulligan. Yep. Mm-hmm. He did um, World War Young... Z, Centurion. Yeah, well, yep. yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, anyway, he's phenomenal um, DP. Um, William Orbit did the music. No way. Yeah, no way. Wow. Um, yeah, it was. A, it was. Jeez. It was, and loads of other people. I'm forgetting, but I mean, it was. It was a phenomenal experience. Um, this I, was... We mixed the whole thing. In fact, in, in uh, uh, Pinewood. Wow. In the same sort of dubbing theatre as Aliens. Oh and, my God. Uh, so when did, yeah. you, when did you do this? When, when was uh, it? Beginning of last year. Oh, okay. It was, it was during The Beast from the East. Do you okay. okay. Yeah, how yeah, yeah. cold that was. Mm. It was colder yeah. inside than it was out. Right. So that was pretty damn cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we had, there was Mission Impossible was filming next door. As they do. As they do. And they were filming the bit with a helicopter hanging off the side of the cliff. Right. You know, if you've seen yeah, the film, yeah, yeah. Fallout. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah I mean, brilliant. Just brilliant. Um, and it was so cold, they packed up and disappeared off somewhere else. Whereas we stayed, because we had, cause, <laughs> had no money. Because we had, had to. <laughs> freezing our nuts off. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think we had the soundstage for 12 days, but uh, we were shooting for, I think, three. Right. Um, but yeah, was, that, mean, that, was, that was my home for a week. How amazing, loved it. right? Amazing. To go yeah, from, it was. It was great. To go yeah. from when you first started making shorts, you know, with Taboo and One Small Leap, and then suddenly now you're... The other scale of that, after making three features and now having amazing teams around you to then make another short, how was that? Because I, I'm, look, I'm very envious right now. I'm going, well, wow, that must have, that must <laughs> yeah. have been great, right? It was, it was an amazing experience. I mean, it really was. It was sort of, um, you know, you realise when you've got people around you like that, how little as a director you actually have to do. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is great. And you really can focus on... The acting. The right? acting, mm. the acting and the acting. That's pretty much it. Um, as opposed to, has that parking space outside the house that we're meant to be filming at, <laughs> yeah, yeah. at 10pm, ha- has that been reserved? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there some dude who's just parked there? Totally. Um, <laughs> Did that prop turn up? I don't know. No idea, it's true. Um, but no, it was, I mean, it was, what can I say? I mean, it was, I felt so sort of spoiled. Yeah. Massively spoiled in a way that I want to continue for as long as possible. Um, well, how did it come about then? Because it's tough for us, like we were talking about this earlier, to go back to shorts now. You know, we've, we've, we've mm. made shorts, we've done that route to get to features. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did it come about to do it then? How did you get the money? Because people don't want to put short money films. in shorts. So I was shorts, yeah. director for hire. Right. I mean, I was literally, ah. I was um, my agent... Um, sent me the script, yep. um, which I was very enthusiastic about. Um, sure. It's a sort of single location prison drama. Love the script. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, increasingly I look at things as a sort of package. Sure. Who's involved. Yep. You know, I wasn't very paid very much to do it. Um, and uh, But the sort of quality of the crew and the cast was Totally irresistible, mm-hmm. you know. Plus, as I say, it's right down the road from my house. Yeah. Um, so, so why not? You know? yeah. I love that. That now we can jump back to the beginning. Of course. And now making your first short yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that come about? How did you move into filmmaking in the first place? How did you get it made? How did so, you start? Oh God! So this is nineteen ninety-seven. There mm-hmm. we go. Yeah, thank you. Um, I was at school, and me and the sort of group of friends had taken plays at the Edinburgh Festival. Yep. Yep. Um, and done that sort of thing, and uh, and then uh, Tim Rice. What Andrew Lloyd Webber's Andrew writing Lloyd partner. partner. Yeah. He came to our school and he did a sort of talk, and we were fortunate enough because we were sort of arty farty to go and sit with him and talk to him about you know his career and all that sort of stuff. 
And we said to him, look, we're thinking about making a film, knowing fuck all about filmmaking. <laughs> Absolutely, really. yeah. Uh, and uh, we said, look, you know, what, what do you think is the key thing to making a really successful film? And he said something which has haunted me ever since, <laughs> which is get someone well-known in your film. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Okay, yeah. So anyway, so fast forward, the only famous person that we, not knew, but okay. we could have a contact with was an actor who had, who was, who had been at my school in like 1930-something. He was called Desmond Llewellyn. Yes. Desmond yeah. Llewellyn, if you're a James Bond fan. A golden eye. Q right? in the yeah. James Bond films. Okay. So I phoned him up and I said, would you like to be you in our film? You just phoned him up? Yeah, I did. I phoned him up and I said, would you like to be in our film? I go to your old school. <laughs> And um, I'm making a film. Yeah. Did you find him in the yellow <laughs> pages or something? Like JR. No, 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 no. I mean, because they keep all the numbers, you know, they keep a sort of record. Oh, was the office. Was this a nice school? Was yeah. this a nice school? Do you know, it was okay. It was all right. Yeah, no, it was all right. So anyway, so we phoned him up and we said, look, would you like to be in our film? Yeah. And um, he said, great. He said, what, what's your, what's the role? And I said, well, I said, um, have you heard of Alistair Crowley anyway? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I said, well, you're going to be playing a sort of Alistair Crowley type figure who lures people to his uh, house and basically destroys them psychologically through the use of black magic. Right. This is a sort Amazing. Of, this is a 17-year-old talking nice. here. Right. And uh, there was a long pause. <laughs> and I thought... I love it. Hello? You know, Hello? He might, I might, you know, I might have offended his sort of, um, uh, you know... Uh, sensibilities. Sort of sensibilities, religious you. beliefs, that sort of thing. Uh, and he came back and he said, do you know what? He said, it sounds great. I'll do anything that's not cute. Uh, oh. Brilliant. So... Um, so I said, well, brilliant. Well, look, here's the dates. And, um, and he said, well, hang on, hang on. Well, how much are you going to pay me? Oh. I was like, oh, uh, mm-hmm. okay. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but when I was 17, I didn't really th- no, was like, yeah, do, they, not- do they get paid to do yeah. this? I mean, yeah, it's it looks like fun. such fun. Yeah. Wouldn't I, you do it for free? Yeah, I, I'm doing a paper round. So I've got around <laughs> seven pounds <laughs> yeah, exactly. a yeah. week. Got uh, got twenty quid. Um, so uh, so anyway, so I said, uh, "Well, what do you normally get paid?" And he oh. said, "Well, I've just done Tomorrow Never Dies." Oh my god! Um, so this is like, yeah, you know, um, his sort of penultimate Bond or whatever. And I said, "What? Well, how much do you get paid for that?" And so I was I was paid seventy thousand quid. Uh, and you S- seventy thousand. You went quiet. And I was like, "Well, I said to be honest, I said the budget of our film is is two. <laughs> two two thousand and um and he went well look he said um where are you filming and i said it doesn't matter we will come to you right where do you live yeah and he lived in bexel on sea nice and i said we will come we we just want to get you in the film we will literally film you in your armchair watching telly it doesn't matter yeah and he said no, no no tell me tell me where you're filming so i said wales and he went well <laughs> well fuck you llewellyn i'm welsh yeah, yeah. so um so I told him, and anyway, so he, he ended up, cut long story short, he ended up coming up to Wales for five days. Great. He did it for a hundred quid. Wow. And the check bounced. Oh. <laughs> and he told you that. Well. Yeah, yeah, he did. He sent it back with a stamp on it from the bank and said, uh, what's this? Yeah. Like but, he needed the hundred quid. Yeah, I love yeah, exactly. that. I love that. No, but fair enough. No, you know, I know. He's fair doing enough. a job. Business. No, I didn't, I didn't, do, some of the, do you think some of the listeners will be like, what the fuck is a check? <laughs> oh god yeah they might actually in the old days, in the old days, days we yeah. have bits of paper that and we used you to write out it. it was like an <laughs> IOU <laughs> yes. have you ever played really Monopoly not really mean anything it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> just a bit of paper <laughs> if there's any listeners that young who don't know what a check is yeah fuck off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you Ed 
<laughs> no, don't fuck off. We love you. They only had but to be born in 2000. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. True. no. Anyway, sorry. I'm sorry, so yeah. sorry. Back no, to not it. Not at all. I love this. Not so, Alistair right. Crowley. I I love that uh, Desmond Alistair Crowley. I love that Llewellyn, Desmond Llewellyn did this. I think that's really cool. And I love the fact that he called you out on it and went, no, no, give me the hundred quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they, it's a lesson for you as Brilliant. well, isn't it? Yes. That filmmaker, yeah. that age. Right. He didn't give a shit about the hundred quid. No. It was about, he was, uh, he was yeah. teaching us a lesson mm-hmm. and yeah, that was brilliant. But how great he came for five days for a hundred quid when he'd just done a James Bond. Also, when you're 17, you're sitting there, you know, in between takes, it's like, so what's Sean Connery like? Yeah. He's got, well, he's fine. Yeah. Doesn't do much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> decent? Nice. Decent? Yeah, good. I like that. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> very sorry, Ed. This is yeah. the you know. It's, uh, yeah, sometimes we go very partridge. Off piece, off piece. Sometimes. <laughs> so I'll try and bring it back. So hang on. You're you're trying to make this film, right? Yeah, you haven't yeah, made yeah. a film before. Yeah. You've no idea what filmmaking is. Mm-hmm. You've got this legend of James Bond sat mm-hmm. in your your seventeen living room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck did you do? We just sort of got on with it, really. And he was. I mean, he was. He was. He was brilliant because he sort of he partly sort of tutored us, you know, in how to make mm. films. Because nice. I mean, he was in. I mean, his career wasn't just James Bond. I mean, he was in more James oh. Bond films. I think he still holds the record. Any other actor? Really? Yeah, I think he was in sixteen or seventeen. <gasps> Amazing! Fuck. Um, and uh, he was in Night to Remember. He was in the Lavender Hill Mob. He was incredibly experienced. He was incredibly generous. Oh, yeah. And uh, I suppose the point of all this is, you know. What I always say to to people is, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yes. Uh, And the other thing is that the sort of the upside and the downside was that he set a bar for me in my own mind of what working with every single actor was going to be like. Mm. Yes. It wasn't a student uh, actor or someone who wanted to do it maybe for five minutes. He was one of the the 100 most recognised people on planet Earth at the time. Amazing. You must have felt Um, amazing to get him in your film. He was great. And actually we became, you know, we became really good friends. And I'd go down to his house because my, um, uh, I had a relative who lived sort of nearby. Mm -hmm. So I'd go to his house and we'd go to the pub and we would just chat Bond all day. And the best bit was... At the end of the day, he'd drive me to the station, give me a lift to Bexhill Station. And, you know, I mean, how recognisable is he? Yeah, you know, And sure. you'd get out of the car and he'd get out <laughs> and sort of shake your hand in a very sort of gentlemanly way and say goodbye, nice to see you, etc. And everyone's sort of standing there going, oh, my God, it's cute. It's cute. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty cool. That's cool. He was in Cheat Cheat Bang Bang as well, by the way. So yes, that's it. He sells in the car. Yeah. yeah. He's really cool yeah. in that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. he was also in The Fantastic Cleopatra as well. Yes. In 1960. Spear Carrier number four. Forty-seven. Yes. Oh, no. yeah. 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 <laughs> but he was in it. So, but, so, so, what did he teach you then? In terms, did you know camera moves? Did you know what you were actually shooting? I mean, not yes and no. I mean, he'd say, look, you know, he'd pick us up. We understood the basics of how to shoot a film because, frankly, we'd watched, watched a lot of films, okay. and he'd pick us up on things like he'd say, "I think you might want to get a close up here." Or um, hmm. the sound here might not be so good, so you might just want to sort of do another take of that. He was sort of, he was very generous in every mm. way. Um, you know, and it was a massive thrill. Oh, God, it must have Massive been. thrill. Because it was just you directing as well, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like you and your yeah. pals. It was there just was like, you. Well, it was like a crew of five. Yeah. Right. Um, James Walker, who produced it with, was also in it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, my business partner at the moment. And, oh, is he? um, oh, he's still in the business. That's yeah, amazing. yeah, yeah. So That's we cool. run a business together. Um, and, um, and then we, uh, you know, I suppose the other important thing was, you know, so many young people make films and they don't finish them. Mm. And our thing was, well, we have to finish this film. We've got yeah. a queue in the film and so on. 
So we edited the film during sort of A levels. Didn't get very good A levels as a result, but fuck it, you filmmaker. Fuck it, who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then we had a, a a premiere of the film at a cinema for anyone who's Oxford uh, called the Phoenix. Yeah, yes. are you from Oxford? I'm from Oxford. Are you now? Okay, great. So the Phoenix Cinema, we rented it for. I can't remember about three hundred quid or something. Okay. That was the that was the that was the end of our finances. And um, and there was <laughs> yeah. someone else we spoke to. I can't remember who it was. And we said, "What's your top tip for a premiere?" And they said, "Well, it's really simple. Just get everyone absolutely pissed before the film starts, yes. and then that way they'll think it's brilliant." Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So we were like, oh, "This is us, like age seventeen as well." And um, so we were like, <laughs> "A, what is getting much. pissed? And B, how are we going to achieve this?" Mm. We didn't know how to get pissed, but um, <laughs> so we got in touch with the film's called Taboo. So we got in touch with a company, drinks company called Taboo, which I think still exists. <laughs> sure. Kind of like <laughs> pins or something. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Anyway, so we got in touch with them and we said, look, would you donate some alcohol to our premiere? Mm. And, um, the I'm bro- 17, the bro- by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, this is a test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a deep voice. <laughs> um, so um, we said, look, the broccolis are coming to the premiere and all that sort of stuff. And we didn't mention, obviously, we were the at broccolis. school, but we gave our address. And, um, and I got, there was a knock on the door of my uh, sort of uh, English class one morning, like about a week later. And um, one of my teachers came in and he said, uh, can I have a word with you, please? So out I went and he said, uh, can you explain this? And there was a truck outside no. the building with Taboo on the side, like <laughs> a big truck. Amazing. And there was a guy with a clipboard and he was saying, where's Mr. Bose? Are you? And he looked at me and I was like in school uniform and he went, uh, right. Oh, brilliant. So anyway, we ended up with so much alcohol. Oh, they wow. gave us, I can't remember how much it was, but it was enough to last us. I still had some 10 years later. <laughs> and I hadn't gone off. I'm not averse to a drink. So they gave us, they gave us a huge amount. <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, and we did get everyone pissed and everyone loved the film. That is so cool. So, um, what a story. Yeah. So, and, and from there, obviously, did you then sell it? Did you put it in festivals? What did you do? Uh, did we, do you know, I don't think we even knew what film festivals were. Not really. Right. Um, they weren't so as the big answers, then as they are well, also, now. I mean, no, trying, no, to, no, trying, no, to find, yeah. trying to find uh, what they were and how were they? Were, yeah, been, yeah, yeah. It wasn't easy. Um, um, quite quite well, you want some water? Oh, um, I'm going. We can I'm talk. We can, yeah. And there's a yeah. glass just there. So you we'll you oh, no, you've got glass. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thanks. There we go. Um, so, yeah, you didn't know where to put it. Well, yeah, it's uh, late, what, late 90s then, yeah. I mean, yeah, late 90s. Kind of working, but... You, not really. Not really. No, yeah. It wasn't the place where you put a movie because that would take hours to upload. We were trying to find festivals. Where, what? Online. Yeah, online in 99, nah. nothing happened. Didn't, right? didn't really exist. Right year for yeah. films. VHS tapes. But yeah, but yeah. yeah, VHS tapes. So what you just sort of let it go. You sort of went, well, I want to do this, but... I think, yeah, I think we'd just sort of done it and then we didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Whereas now, of course, you know, you'd upload it and you'd, you know, enter yeah. it for one of the million film festivals. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so you did that. And then I went to film school in London. Which one? Um, London College of Printing. Okay. Um, what yeah. did you think to it? Because we've had there's quite a debate on this podcast yeah. for a lot of time. Yeah. Some that I've had a couple of people, Sam Kerr, DOP, who said it was the best thing he ever went to, mm-hmm. and he recommend it. So many other people have come on have said no. I I, I would rather go make a feature film with. Do the you money. mean film school? Film school. Full itself, stop. Full stop. Mm. Not yeah. uni. Not film school itself. So yeah, I think I think put it this way. I think that I think there's a very valid argument for not going to film school. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, our next door neighbor at the office, Guy Ritchie, didn't go to film school. No, he didn't. You know, and look at him. Yeah. Um, little name drop there, like that. Yeah, right? sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to do that. Lord of the Land. Um, <laughs> go to that pub. So, yeah, go to that pub. Um, on the other hand, I think going is. I think the benefit of going to film school is that you you are in an environment where you can make mistakes mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Hear that. Or rather, you're in an environment where everyone else is sort of learning, you know, and therefore any cock-ups you make are sort of for the for the greater good, if you mm-hmm. like. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think in that respect, it was great. Um, I mean, I, to be honest, I used my film days. I mean, I sort of, I kind of did my own thing. Okay. So I made a film in my first, was it my first year? I think it was my first year called Sundown. And miraculously, I don't know how the hell this happened. It got into the Edinburgh Film Festival. Wow. Yeah. Into oh, the shorts category. I mean, Christ knows how. I mean, it was, it was great, but it was like a first year film school type film. Yes. Um, so we got to go up to Edinburgh, you know, which was brilliant. Uh, but also you meet people like in my year was Yann Demange, who directed wow. 71. Of course, and, um, amazing. You know, Dead Set and so on. Mm. I mean, there were some good people in my year, some good mm-hmm. tutors. It was a good experience. And actually, I got to go to the, um, just through being there, we got invites, student invites to the European Film Awards. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to those. Lovely, no. No, we've not been invited. No. If you get no. an invite, <laughs> if you get an invite, I don't know what the hell I was doing there, but if you get an invite, go. They are, I mean, certainly when I went, I mean, the most lavish piss up you can possibly the imagine. The amount did so much taboo beer, it was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it was just Ed stored, just like I'm gonna oh. bring this along. <laughs> It See, was great. That's great. So, so, you offloaded the left, the yeah, left, yeah, the rest yeah, of it. No, I just I finished my last bottle, and it was time to move on to. <laughs> yeah. And you thought, I know. Here we go. The European film awards <laughs> champagne. No, that that was amazing. I mean, it, you know, Lars von Trier came on in a sort of um, like a sort of Winnebago and stuff, and uh, wow. you know, Lauren Bacall was there, and. Uh, it was phenomenal. I mean, it really was. So I guess there are upsides to going to film school. Yes. Mm. Yeah, to yeah, answer your question. No, absolutely. Okay. And, and it is a really good question because people don't know. Young filmmakers out there, it's like, should I, should I? know it's a lot of money. But I think the answer is it's what works for you. And if you can't afford to do that, but or there's some money and you can go make a film, well, you can learn from your mistakes and, that way. Yeah. I, but uh, but I, I guess what you were saying is that it's a safe space. Exactly. That you actually learn from, all, also you learn from other people's mistakes that are directly mm. around you and that you're learning as, as a collective together and you're failing together. And that's actually quite nice. That's yeah. a nice that's a nice experience to, to go through that's, that you don't feel so... I guess on your own and isolated and it's a, it's a brave, brave move to go, you know what, actually I'm just going to go and do it. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think this business can be lonely. It can be really lonely. And if you have a group who you come up with together, just kind of what I wanted to do with this podcast as well is bring people together in any way, filmmakers and go, well, actually we're all in the same boat. Let's try and help each other, mainly for my own loneliness stakes. But, uh, (laughs) but no, Charles, do you do a sort of networking type thing? Yeah, we do a make your film Mm -hmm. event, which is on December the 10th. Thanks Ed for bringing that up. The next one. Um, yeah, we do. So make a film event. It's brilliant because make a film, make your film. film. Oh, there's a panel for, yeah, yeah. all sorts of different people which Matt and Tori have been on we've right. yeah, 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 yeah. and but yeah it's, it's brilliant and then you've got way you... more famous people after us yeah, yeah. You, we go on first well, as the warm up it's <laughs> true on this podcast only Ed today <laughs> yeah. so and maybe me so <laughs> In that, you know, no, it's it's. But then, it's, yeah, then there's networking afterwards. It's, it's networking. Great. It's yeah. about oh, people getting good. together, yeah. and, and that's yeah. and the same with the stuff that you do. It's about yeah, yeah, yeah. 
joining people together and saying, look, we're in this. Let's not be alone here because it's lonely as fuck when you sat writing your script on your own trying to get your film in festivals and waiting for some Well, supporting each other when films do come out as well. Support each other and go, actually, their film's out. Go watch it here and tweet and all that. Mm. That little indie film world is, it's a small world and we Mm. all kind of know each other now a lot and it's just support and help. So people lift each other up as well. Massively. Yeah. 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 When you're feeling a bit down, someone spent three years on one project. You kind of need some people to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. It's all right. We watched it. We loved it, or whatever. Even if they didn't, sometimes it's just you need that support. Or what I found, which is really useful, is I can send scripts to people now and Mm. say, or an early cut, and say, "What do you think?" And you get not judged. You get actual real responses of people you trust who aren't going to, you know, uh, they'll slate it in the right way. Or they say, "You need to do this. You've missed this," and they won't be assholes about it. And I find that you send someone a script, they'll read it once. That's it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get one chance. Whereas if you get notes and then send it back and they do it again, I do it all the time, and it's it's a wonderful little community. So it does help. Okay, so then you went from film school. And you were like, right, how do I get into this business proper? How do I do it? What yeah. happened? Because you made another short and then it was a while before you made Blood. Yeah, I did another short called Into Swans, which was a, which was a flop. Uh, actually, sorry, I did a short film before that called One, One Small, Small Leap. Leap, right? One Small Leap was not a flop. One Small Leap was, it was a, do you know the Darwin Awards? People who kill themselves in stupid ways. Oh, yeah. Do you know about this? Yeah. No. Like, stupid, but- stupid deaths. I don't know if this is still and a people thing. people get awards for this. <laughs> what? No, the idea is, They're dead. The, no? idea is, the idea is people who, people who die in such stupid ways, <laughs> right. they get a posthumous award for taking their genes out of the gene pool and therefore oh. ensuring the future survival of the human race because they are not in it. Thank you, stupid people. We award yeah. you for exactly. pissing off For taking yourselves out of the equation. Got you. Um, so the That's classics... Dark. Well, yeah. <laughs> It, it is, but it's also quite, I mean, I would argue it's quite funny. The, um, <laughs> the story that I picked, uh, there's many, there's, I think there's a website, this 20 years ago now I made sure, this film. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, things, times have changed. There is. Um, yeah. But uh, there was a story about a guy who was in the deep south in America and he was a gun nut, um, as a few of them are down there. And yeah. he woke up to hear a ringing telephone, was woken up by a ringing telephone, and he reached across to his bedside table, mm-hmm. and instead of picking up the telephone, he picked up his handgun and put it to his ear to no! answer it and blew his head off. Amazing! Oh, and I read that, and I was like, that's a film, surely. Or yeah. rather, a section of a film. So, <laughs> so this is my graduation film, actually, which was to, what about we take the stupidest thing you've ever heard of uh-huh. and mix it with the... Best thing you've ever heard of, the moon landing. Yes. So the film takes place on the night of the moon landing, and this guy's watching the moon landing. It's only a three-minute film. Um, and as Neil Armstrong says, that's one small step for man, the phone rings, and this guy Brilliant. blows his head off. There's a bit more to it than that. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but this film did, I mean, oh, God, I can't remember. It was sort of 40, 50 film festivals. It won lots of awards. Wow. It, it's the most profitable film I've ever made. Seriously? Yeah, really? Yeah, it made its money. But I, it cost us five grand. I think we made about 30 grand off that film. Great. Because oh. through awards money and stuff, mm. you know, all these European sort of festivals, you know, at the t- this is 2003. Sure. Um, you know, you turn up and they go, you've won the the grand prize don't tell anyone here's five thousand euros Thank and you very also much. here's a mini and also here's your wonderful location and here's your private section of beach you can use yeah that is that so cool exists. yeah so so that film did really well and then private beach and then after that i sort of 
I didn't quite know what to do. And um, the guy I knew very well, uh, James, he um, uh, was uh, tutoring, he was private tutoring. James so Walker, James right? Walker, yes. yeah, he's private tutoring kids. And someone said to us, look, do you want to run a film course for, for some kids in the holidays? And it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, great. Bit of money, sure. Bit of money, exactly. So we sort of started sort of teaching teaching kids filmmaking. Um, and that has now progressed into a company that teaches 7,500 kids every year. Incredible. Amazing. So like young offenders right through to sort of kids at very sort of posh private schools and stuff. And, and this is called? Young Film Academy. Thank you. Uh, and we run a BFI Academy. Um, and, uh, you know, the great thing about it is, is that, you know, obviously it provides an income, but fundamentally it provides the opportunities that we had to really push for yeah. when we were kids, you know, and really sort of pursue. And the benefit of this organization is not only do they get pretty good, in fact, I'd want to say very good tuition in terms of how to make films, but they also have a network of like-minded young people to make films with. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the point, you know, sort of come back to the point of the podcast, you know, that has offered an opportunity to a sort of launch pad to, to pursue my own projects. Mm-hmm. There you go. Which which yeah. is incredible because, like, say, you get paid for something you love uh, and love teaching, and which now means you, that you can carry on doing carry on doing yeah. what you love to do, and that's yeah. what a lot of filmmakers struggle with. Actually, is like, oh. look, I want to make films, but how do I support this? Yeah, when yeah. I'm doing this because no one's paying me to no. write a script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I said, how do you do it? And that's really hard. So yeah. it is finding something that you can do that works your world and yeah. hopefully that'll make you go bigger and yeah, it you know, feeds exactly. into what you want to do feeds into right. what you want to exactly. do exactly exactly so for that, and is that how bloody came about your first feature yeah so bloody came about because we you know it'd been a while since we've made something and we've been building up this company mm-hmm. and um and we were like let you know let, let's make a film and um for, for a variety of reasons this location on the Isle of Mull had, had come up as somewhere that we could use um, and we were like, let's, let's make a film there and let's make a film back. Cause there's a lot of deer stalking that goes on up there. That's one of the sort of main activities. Mm. So we were like, you know, let's make a film about people being hunted. So people who go up there to hunt. Yep being hunted themselves. I, as a vegan, I love this. <laughs> when I read it, I thought this was fantastic. <laughs> well, there is a film that's come out called The Hunt, which has been delayed because of um, various reasons, which yeah. is sort of a similar type thing. There's also a BBC series, which I should add, came after our film called Stag. Stag, yes, okay. Oh, yeah. Similar, yeah. similar theme. Oh, yeah. um, anyway, so we uh, went up, we basically raised, wrote the script. We made, we made actually a big mistake with Blooded. And the right. big mistake was um, to do the film as a docudrama, but like a fake sure. docudrama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we okay. were big fans of Touching the Void. We thought Touching the Void it's was the amazing best, best film. film ever. It's a wonderful film. Um, so our clever idea in inverted commas was to combine the, the elements of that film, but to make it fictional. Mm. So we wrote okay. this script where essentially there's two sets of actors. So there's actors acting, running around, being shot at and stuff. And then there's actors who are playing real people, in inverted commas, sitting in chairs, talking about this terrible experience that they had. Got you. Doco style. So we thought this was clever because we thought, well, we only have to shoot half a film. Or Mm -hmm. rather... Half a sort of location, location. film, yeah. yeah, and the rest of it we can do in a studio, and it'll be cheaper and, blah, blah, blah. and warmer, yeah, and warmer. Exactly, this is it. Um, plus, you know, um, it's not such, it's not so demanding on the actors because they can sort of, you know, one half does their bit and the other half does their bit, yeah. 
So, um, so we shot this on the Isle of Mull um, in, God, I think it was 2007, okay. thereabouts. And then the film came together over the sort of next sort of 18 months. How did we, you raise the money before you go further? It's because this is interesting. I think, we, I think what happened was we went to, I mean, the, the, the original cost is about 60 grand. Okay. So we went to yeah. family, friends, we put some money in from the business. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that difficult to raise that sum. Mm-hmm. To be honest, okay, um, and uh, and then I think the eventual budget was about was about hundred. It was just over a hundred. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, so yeah, so we shot the film, edited the film. Um, we were very lucky to get a phenomenal composer on board called Elena Shkeri, who did Kick Ass and Layer mm. Cake and Stardust. Wow. And in fact, I just saw him the other day. You know, he's he's uh, you know one of the sort of top composers in the country, if was, not the world. Was he in the pub? Was he in? No, he wasn't in the pub. No, he was at London Zoo with his kid. All right, um, yeah. as was I. Yeah. So um, thinking yeah, so about we, this film, about, about animals to make revenge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, not not killing them. No. Um, so yeah, so he, so we. I mean, that, to be honest, that was probably the highlight of the entire experience was working with him. Okay. And the score was recorded by the London Philharmonic. Uh, wow. Sorry, London Metropolitan Orchestra. Okay, still um, amazing. And yeah. British Grove, which is. Nofla Studio. So that was that was brilliant. And then the distributor, so it was picked up. Revolver, right? Revolver. Yeah. Yeah. Now revolver Aptly named, because if you worked with them <laughs> you want to shoot them. Well they've gone now, thankfully, yeah. so yeah. we can yeah. talk about them. Yeah, but, we can. But back then they were a big company. I yeah. mean they distributed some big, big films yeah. in the UK. They were very well known. Yep. And it was if you made an indie film, you went to them and yep. they robbed you blind. Yeah. I suppose to be nice about it. You yeah. Know, yeah. Um, um, and I, I don't know what happened with yours, but I can't imagine it was... At least you got released. I'll tell you. Do you want me to Please, tell you? Please, yeah. yeah. So, um, so what happened was, the, um, so they, they picked up the film and we got a theatrical release, which was mm. great. And this is in 2011. I think it came out in April 2011. Um, and um, so there was, a, there was a, um, a limited release, you know, sort of 12 screens, whatever, sort yeah. of key cities. One of them was London, so mm-hmm. we got to go and watch it and that was, that was great. Um, and uh, in fact, we had a screening at the View in Leicester Square, which is brilliant. You know, right. um, amazing. Yeah. And uh, so, so that was all good. And it got sort of it got mixed reviews. To be honest, I think a lot of people rightly said, "Hang on, are you telling us this is real? Is this real? Is it not real? You're trying to trick us. Fuck mm. you." Mm. Um, it did get some good, got a great review in the FT. It was slated by the Times. I think it got three stars in Empire. You know, it was good. sort of it was a recommendation. It was yeah, 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 yeah an Empire, yeah, yeah for yeah. British film, uh-huh. yeah, out of star. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll pay for that. Um, so, um, so yeah, so so the film was essentially Revolver's entire business model relied on supermarket DVD sales. Yes, so Dan- remember, Danny Dyer called, films. Danny Dyer films, mm, yes. yeah, Danny Dyer. So what happened was, after all this is over, I met one of the guys who worked there, who was actually very nice, and he basically said, look, I'll level with you. Because Asda, Sainsbury's, Tesco's didn't pick the film up. Mm. We didn't get the advance that we needed to pump the 50 grand into the amazing marketing campaign uh-huh. that we had to mm. promote your film. Uh-huh. And therefore the film just got dumped. Right. Yeah. So I had no idea that that was the case. You know, and if it had been, I probably would have said, "Well, what are your projections for supermarket DVD sales? You know, mm-hmm. and what do you think? You know, what's the interest level?" But I didn't because I didn't know. Yeah, didn't know at the time all that sort of stuff. So, blooded sort of died a death, really. 
Um, one, of the, one of the good things that came out of it was I got an email from someone called Michael Dealey. Yes, he's a, a producer. producer. Yeah, yes. probably, I mean, alongside David Hayman, who's probably the most successful film producer this country's ever produced. Mm. So he produced, haha. So he, um, he's the producer behind The Deer Hunter, Blade Runner, mm-hmm. The Italian Job, uh, he's got The Man the book. Who Fell to Earth. His book is amazing. His book is amazing. Uh, Blow the Bloody Doors Off, I think it's uh, called. Yeah, um, it's called Deer yes. Hunters, Blade Runners and Blowing the Bloody Doors Off. It's Great. amazing. Filmmakers, go get that book. It is absolutely, yeah. yeah. As is Matt and Tori's book, but that's not yeah. out for two years. So <laughs> we didn't make Blade read that Runner. one first. No, not yet. <laughs> so, he was, so he got in touch and basically he said, look, you know, I saw the film. I loved the film. I can't remember how he saw it, but um, he said, look, let, let's, let's have lunch. So that was the beginning of what is an ongoing relationship with him, wow. where he's sort of my mentor. That's so great. Cool. He, would hate, he would hate that phrase. Yeah. And so we see each other three, four times a year. That's um, amazing. He just... lives in, no, he doesn't live in the UK. Fine. He's got a flat here, but he lives in Santa Barbara and he okay. will come over <clears throat> and we will have a, um, a good lunch nice, uh, and nice. we, will, we, will, we will catch up and uh, I will, you know, like he's a sort of granddad type person, I will... <laughs> put across my sort of fears and desires to him and he will sort of um you know give me his sort of uh, perspective on them hmm. and really he's an amazing person he's done it all seen it all you know he's a phenomenal so it's worth making the film for the, for, for the for yeah, the yeah, yeah 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 for that for that context but so, how did you feel and this is hmm. what's interesting is filmmakers who maybe are making their first film now or have and it's about to be released or they made two whatever that first film Bloody dist- people talk about this a lot like your first film has to be big it has to hit out the park for you to make others and that's just not true no. but at the time for you was that something that you you felt really strongly and hurtful about and did it make you go oh I don't want to do this anymore how, how did it feel to be um, dumped like that yeah to be dumped yeah no one likes being dumped do they I mean it generally, was generally no no I mean it wasn't it wasn't a great feeling but on the other hand I I felt we'd made a good film mm-hmm. and I felt it looked and sounded good on the big screen. There sure. were enough people. I remember having a conversation with a filmmaker. Um, I can't remember who it was, actually. But what they said to me was, fuck the reviews. It doesn't matter. As long as you have an A4 sheet of paper mm-hmm. that's got enough positive quotes on it mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to fill it, yeah. then that's enough. You know, in the end, people don't remember the bad reviews. They, you know, as long as you've got enough, they see the good stuff, ones. They yeah. see the good ones. Yeah, this yeah. is it. But, but am ter- I being too honest here? Not at yeah. all. No, please do. This is the podcast. Is very honest, <laughs> as honest as we can, as we can. Um, <laughs> uh, so, from bloody, then did did it help to get the next film made? Mirror. I mean, no, no, no. not really. I mean, I'd sort of. Uh, so, what happened after blood? It was I went through about two or three years of thinking, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to do now, um, running the company. So to be honest, I was sort of busy running the company and, mm. uh, you know, expanding and so on. And then eventually I, I, I read this article in the, I can't remember, it was somewhere online, and it was about these guys who had pulled an antique mirror out of a skip, like a rubbish skip, outside of their flat in Muswell Hill. Mm. And they put mm-hmm. it up in their flat and as a result, they had experienced these horrible supernatural events. I read this. I was like, ah, mm. sounds like a Bloomhouse film. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I went and met these guys and they were absolutely charming. Um, and we got on very well. And I said, look, can I please tell your story on screen? And they said, great. What's it going to, well, how much are you going to pay uh, yeah, us? And I, yeah. I think I said, look, it's just me really. So 
uh, so I'll give you 500 quid. So I paid them 500 quid. Wow. Um, which I was That's pretty decent. Good right? deal. Yeah, it's normally good. a quid. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to sort of be respectful to them. And, sure. uh, you know, I, I knew also I was going to be relying on them a lot. So 500 pounds seemed quite sort of decent. Um, anyway, so, you know, there were all these strange things that happened. They, sh- they had this footage as well they let me have of things moving around their room, poltergeist style. Oh, wow. There's no way they faked that. I mean... You know, I was I had a good long look at that, and it was just very unexplainable. Let's wow. put it that way. And um, this mirror had caused them to have all these horrible sort of lesions on their bodies and oh stuff, and they'd seen figures in the anyway. So it was a haunted oh mirror, God. supposedly. Yeah. Um, what I should have done, of course, is bought the mirror. I didn't. I was too scared. They eBayed <laughs> it to some Alistair Crowley s person in Germany. There you go. So anyway, so point of the story is, is that I thought, right, this is a great story. I want to do this, but I want to do it really cheaply. Yeah. And I had just done a job through the business that had, that had netted me a bit of money. Nice. And I was very irresponsible. And I put 15 grand aside to make a found footage horror film based on this haunted mirror story. Mm. Not realizing, of course, there was another haunted mirror story, Oculus, <laughs> that, was, that was being made on a considerably bigger budget. Yes. Anyway, so the, the lesson I learned actually from doing this film was that if you are location scouting and there were many houses I went to through Right Move and, you know, places to rent flats because yeah. they were yeah. in a flat. So I thought I'll set it in a flat. Um, so, I, you know, you go to these people's houses and you say, I'd love to rent your flat to make a horror film. And they go, uh, no, no fucking blood, way. Yeah. Blood, gore, yeah. shit happen. everywhere. Not a chance. <laughs> So eventually, I was like, what am I going to do? Because it was sort of, I had to book the actors and we cast it and so on. Uh, and eventually, I thought, you know what, I'm going to try Foxton's. Okay. So I went to Foxton's and I said, look, I need a flat, short-term let, two weeks. Would you find me a flat somewhere? And they went, yeah, great. And they found me a flat within 24 hours. So Amazing. save on a location scout, just use Foxton's. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, these days, you can use... Um... So Airbnb. Airbnb. Yep. I've used that many times to yep. film promos and stuff, and it's yeah, brilliant because yeah, yeah. it's like 60 quid for the yep. night. So you're yeah. just filming it. That's you're a great just, idea. You let them know you're filming, obviously. Oh, right. I was, I was just going to say, I think you Rock probably need to let them know that yeah. you're filming. Yeah, you let them know. <laughs> and you might give them a bit and more. And they might charge you a bit more. A bit more, but yeah. let's say 100 quid, you get that yeah. whole flat yeah. for the day yeah. and then yeah, you can yeah, yeah. cook there you can fit it's actually yeah. a really really good idea this is pre-airbnb yes so i'm so very out of date yeah but um it's worked for you yeah yeah so it was great and um so the film uh it was sort of 90 minute film um and uh it got to fright fest amazing so screen at fright fest and it won a couple of awards at fright fest which was great. which was great really good um again it didn't really get me anywhere not really but he got a release, right? You got yeah, he got a release. release. I mean, so yeah, I mean, there was a there was a so there was a sales agent that took the film on, and uh, um, how do I put this? Did not maximise the potential of the film. Mm-hmm. So there was a there was a slightly sticky situation where the film was on Netflix. It was on Netflix for over a year in the US. Wow. And how much money do you think I saw from that? Mm-hmm. Well, nothing. No, no, you could buy it. You couldn't even afford a packet of Smarties. So that was disappointing. And, uh, you know, you get all these statements and there's all these sort of very high costs and uh, mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff, you know. And, of course, what they're doing is they're, you know, they are spreading the costs of all their sort of 10, 12 films they're taking to markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so that was, that, was, that was disappointing. However, quite fun to go to the US, as I did a couple of times, 
go on your phone. It's <laughs> yeah. on Netflix, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then I went into a sort of, I went into a kind of slightly depressing phase, which was I had a very exciting prospect, which came up after the mirror, which turned out not to happen. I was going to do a film with Rutger Hauer, mm. um, R.I.P., and... Um, that again, that that fell through after you know nearly eight months development. That was that was painful, um, and I think I I sort of by that point I was thinking I'm never going to do another film, really? or rather, yeah, not as in I don't want to, as but in I just feel, how? yeah, yeah, I feel the universe is telling me something. What what was it then? What did you learn through that time to go? Because obviously we all still try and we go, well, hang on, I've got all these in development and there's some money maybe there. And it usually comes down to money and finding mm. money for project. Mm. So is that just you'd sort of like you'd hit a brick wall? Yeah, I mean, I I, I just sort of, I suppose when you're launching things yourself, mm. you have a degree of control. And you know that things are going, you know, when you say the start date is going to be this date, yeah. you know it's going to be that date because you are the person who set that date. Sure. And therefore... It will happen whether you are filming on a iPhone, you know, with your pet cat. Yeah. Whereas when you're reliant on other people, you know, it's very hard to know actually where people's real sort of priorities lie. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, you can, if you're not careful, you can waste an awful lot of time on projects which are not real. Yeah. yeah, we've we've yeah. all done that quite yeah. a lot. Absolutely, and this is something out there for people to to know. Not to, to, to there's a lot of bullshitters, and yeah. I suppose it's learning. The more you do, the more you realise who might be bullshitting, and just take that with a pinch of salt yeah. mm-hmm. and choose your project. And carefully. I think, well, yeah, and I think also there's the there's that argument for sort of just having one project your baby that that obviously because it's so difficult to get something off the ground that you that you that you want to put your 110 percent in that one project to make it happen Mm -hmm. but then if it's the wrong time for it it's the wrong time for it Mm -hmm. and you could just end up hitting your head against a brick wall yes and that brick wall is much stronger than your head so like you need you need more than one project because you don't know when there's another mirror that's gonna be released Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. got a much bigger budget you know i mean the same thing happened for us with the curse of the buxom's trumpet and we were we were touting around and building the finance for it and we got 60 percent of it and but that took five years and then Mm -hmm. pride and prejudice and zombies came out and we were like well fuck that and Lionsgate got 10 million on that so you know and it's not that your project is never gonna be made Mm. you just need Mm. to put it on the shelf and go you know what okay I've got that it's it's in the it's in the it's there but right now actually I need to be focusing on something else I remember we we went actually in pitching uh, a completely different film they went hmm have you got anything genre I went yeah "Yeah, we kind of have it's what the bubble is at that time and you know and what the hunger is for and you have to be prepared to accommodate that hunger and apparently Um, at the moment it's horrors and musicals as I was speaking, <laughs> to, <laughs> speaking <laughs> to zombie musicals, yeah, well, Alan and the Apocalypse. Alan and the Apocalypse is great. Although Ella Hunt yeah. did, uh, you know, Young Film Academy course. Where she oh, was she on the course? Yeah, yeah. Cora yeah. Delevingne as well. Right, hey. there you see. So this course is Brooklyn Beckham. 
Was Brooklyn, did Brooklyn turn up? <laughs> yeah, he did. That's because he made his uh, uh, big buzz about his... Was it a music video he made or a short that he made that was big buzz about Whatever that, he did, it? he learned it all from me. Hey. There, there you go. go. Yeah. Good man, good man. Yeah, Andrew Apocalypse is a great film. Uh, I know the producers, and it's a really lovely mm. little film, actually. Mm. Very good. But anyway, speaking to CAA yesterday, and they said they said at the moment, uh, horrors and musicals, not necessarily together, are yeah. the next... Mm-hmm. They want original stories. Mm, yeah. So yeah. if you've got original stories, Johnny Grant's going, oh my God... What the fuck am I going to do? I hate musicals. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes this happens. But um, yeah, so I think it's about keeping yourself sort of just open and by, I, I, I used to do this and just have one project. It was like I put everything onto this one project, which is a sci-fi back in the day and it just kept falling apart and then you'd be so devastated. Gutting. It's gutting. Whereas mm-hmm. now I have mm-hmm. at least three solid ones that could go, yeah. like next mm-hmm. month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And therefore, if one's not going yet, you don't feel so bad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's ways of protecting yourself, isn't yeah. it? As filmmakers, we have to protect Absolutely. our heart and our head yeah, and just keep yeah. sane. Otherwise, we'd go fuck this shit. Mm-hmm. But I think also, hard. I think it's something to be said for working on multiple things at the same time. Mm. I think I'm much better working on two or three projects than right. I am working on one. Really. Okay. Maybe I've got a short attention span, but I sort of feel like... Well, no, they I say of... artists should do that, though, kind of have various things going on at the same time to kind of, keep, yeah, exactly keep sort of the brain going mm, and they kind yeah. of, you know, yeah. one filters into another one and, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. Because you're doing that right at the moment with various projects, not only the book, but your films you've yeah, got, yeah. you're writing at the moment. Yeah. You have to, right? Well, we've yeah. learned, yeah, yeah, just to kind of keep, keep alive and sane in yeah. it, so you sort of have to. And now, because TV's so massive as well, you know, you can, yeah. you can not only have film projects on, but also... TV, yeah, TV projects part, as well. Yeah. When you're in Cannes and they're going, cool, you're sitting down with whoever and they go, all oh, right, so tell me what you've got going. And you go, right. well, I've got this horror that's really... And they go, nah. Could it be a TV yeah, show? Could, could this yeah. be a TV show? <laughs> it's the thing you get all the time mm. now. Could this be a TV show? You go, yes, of course. You could. give me loads of money, yeah? Yeah, I can do what you want. <laughs> I can juggle and dance and maybe play the piano. We'll <laughs> see what we can get. As you know, we are sponsored at the moment by the fantastic Shotlister app. And as a special for you, we have a special guest coming on this podcast, especially for you. It's a big surprise. You won't guess who it is. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the fantastic Zach Lipovsky! So excited for the first time ever to be on this podcast, never having been on the podcast before. <laughs> uh, uh, not being on episode 107 and not being on last week or the week before talking yeah. about well, I've never been on this episode you haven't been on this episode neither have I yeah this is a first yeah though technically I might have been because I might have recorded this in advance but <laughs> <laughs> we're here talking about Shotlister and how you lovely listeners can get a free copy of Shotlister app but before we tell you how you can do that, we wanted to talk about what happens after lunch on a film set, sometimes when things go slow. <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, I'm sure you've, you noticed, you've noticed the same thing, uh-huh. which is yes. a shot at the beginning of the day or a shot right after lunch somehow it takes five times longer than a shot at the end of the day. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. the nature of how films work. And that's one of the cool things about Shotluster is, you know, it allows you to build a schedule where you estimate how long you think everything's going to take. But when you actually finish a shot, when you're shooting, it records how long it actually took. And so what happens is by the end of the day, your schedule, which was all estimates, is actually sort of a living record of how long everything actually took, Um, which can be really useful um, because over time you start getting much better at at kind of guessing how long things are going to take. And something you'll notice is after lunch, that shot pretty much in my experience always takes an hour, no matter what it is, even if it's the simplest thing Mm -hmm. ever. 
the shot after lunch, it takes an hour. <laughs> and so don't estimate yeah. that it's going to take 15 minutes because it's just not. People are just slow after it's lunch. It's not. There you go. Uh, it is a wonderful app. I use it all the time. It's wonderful. It's called Shotlister. And you can get one for free. How can they get one for free, Zach? Yeah. Well, we got a special promotion where all they have to do is email um, filmmakerspodcast at shotlister.com. Uh, let us know what version you want. We have either Android or iOS or Mac OS. Uh, and we'll send you a free copy. Uh, no questions asked. You don't have to buy it. And the idea is just that once you use it, you'll love it and you'll tell other people about it. Um, and we're giving 50 away every month. And so just email us. And if, we're, if we've run out, just email us the next month and we'll send you one. So uh, it's a pretty great deal. Just free, amazing software. What more can you ask for? You're listening to this podcast for one, so you're already a superstar. Now <laughs> you can get a brilliant app that helps make you a better filmmaker. Why not? You've got nothing to lose. It's free and it's amazing. Uh, there you go, Zach. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate you popping by to say hello again. Yeah. Um, links to all that will be in the show notes. Zach, until next week. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. So, okay. So uh, you then, that sort of, happened again and you felt in this slump and you thought i'm never going to make a film again and then you did i did so the film is called trick or treat yes um and uh so it is actually coming out in select cinema select audience today amazing yeah so trick or treat mm. is a i'll tell you what it's like it's like do you remember in the 90s when there was that thing called movie drone of yeah, course, yeah. yeah. Alex Cox. Yeah. And I used to watch that as a kid, and they'd have films on, like, Repo Man and that sort of stuff. Weird, quite violent, mm -hmm. slightly unpleasant, totally intriguing cult films. Yeah, I'm yeah. not for one second saying this is a cult film, but it, it has that sort of flavour to it. Yes, indeed. It's ostensibly is a thriller um, about a ex-gangster who is now a family man but is struggling with family life. He's moved back from uh, London to Blackpool, which is where he's from. He has a past in Blackpool. He's got various sort of um, ne'er-do-well sort of uh, associates, all of whom sort of appear at various points during the story. Anyway, one night uh, when his marriage appears to be at sort of breaking point, there is a knock at the door and it is his brother um, who says that he rushes in and says, I've killed someone. I've run them over, and by the way, the body is in the boot of my car. Mm. Um, and sure enough, there is a body in the boot of his car, mm -hmm. and the body turns out to be uh, the son of a sort of major league gangster. Right. Think Ben Kingsley and Sexy Beast, but played by Francis Barber and female, mm. um, right. who's not very happy about it. <laughs> and therefore, a cat and mouse psychological thriller ensues with hijinks and uh, sort of shootouts and all that sort of stuff. Sounds great. I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was beautiful. I thought the cinematography Thanks. was fantastic. I really liked the character work, the development. And I love the fact that you got the brothers together. You know, um, I really like that. Craig Kelly and Dean Lennox Kelly back together. You've got Jason Fleming in there, Chris Marshall, uh, Jason Merrills. Yeah, yeah. Great Sean, cast. Sean Parks, Hugo Spears in there somewhere. Uh, and the Francis Barber, as you mentioned as well. It's a great cast. How did it all come together? Because Evolutionary Films, it must be a big shout out to them for putting us two together as well. Ross uh, and John there at Evolutionary Films because they're distributing the film they're putting it out there now how did it come about obviously from you saying I'm not making another film to suddenly making this really cool video drum style movie in Blackpool 
So, I mean, I've sent the script by my agent, uh, read it, loved it, actually. I thought it was great. Mm. It had that sort of quirky, culty sort of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I think of myself as being more of a sort of horror kind of guy. Well, but- you've made... Horrors. I mean, that's yeah. The thing, maybe but... maybe I'm not good at it though, because I because uh, <laughs> I because I you know I mean actually this 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 film you know is very much a sort of it's very much a gangster thriller, but it's not a sort of lock stock. Not I mean, no, lock stock no, is sure. great. Don't get me wrong, mm, but brilliant. it's not that sort of guns and geezers type film. It's actually it's a midlife crisis film mm-hmm. wrapped up in gangster film sort of packaging mm. and that was the thing that really appe- appealed to me about it was this guy who is having you know a real existential crisis you know who's got baby shit under his fingernails yeah. and is dealing with small children mm-hmm. and um a nagging know, wife at that stage even though she's not that yeah yeah, yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah but the sort of the the pressures of sort of modern the pressures of modern male life as experienced by this character which he is not dealing with well because he has this sort of gangster past that was all about sort of drugs and guns and sort of beautiful girls and so on. And he misses it. So um, he is dipped back into this world and realizes that really he shouldn't have missed it at all. Cause in fact it's hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he yeah. suffers quite badly as a result. He does uh, written by Geraint Anderson. So it got sent through your agent, mm-hmm. which is nice that all this time you had an agent and they sent you stuff. Is this a regular thing? Do they often send, well, did they, do they often send stuff to you? Um, no, I mean, there was a couple of things that were sent to me. One was the short and one was this feature film. And you did them both. Um, I did them both. That's right. Um, I think it was, I think with the feature film, I think it was more a case of, I, I think that, you know, rightly or wrongly, that my agent viewed me as someone who could get something done on a certain budget level mm-hmm. in a certain period of time. Got you. Um, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's good in the mm. sense that obviously you get offered these things, but also it means there's quite a lot of pressure on you to deliver well in a very short period of time. Mm. And I suppose, you know, the downside is that you, if you're not careful, you turn into a bit of a sort of delivery boy, you know, where yes. you are crunching through the shots and the setups and the scenes you know, and at no point are you really sitting there going, what is my directorial stamp that I'm putting on this yeah. film? Which is not to say that I didn't get to do that. I did. Um, but certainly the, the, the schedule was something that, you know, I was very protective of. Uh, short though it was, I think it was 23 days. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, and that was split between Blackpool and London. Mm. Um, so it was really, you know, it was, it was quite a challenge. The other thing was 50, well, in fact, no, 75% of the film is set at night. In fact, we, sorry, what am I saying? 100% of the film I'd is set say, at I'd night. Yeah. However, we shot, you know, probably 50% of it actually at night. Right. So a lot of it was sort of blackout and windows and stuff. And, you know, if I could rewind time and go, what are the things that you should be at least aware of when reading the script? One of them certainly is how many scenes are there where it says, exterior night because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you are going to be outside mm-hmm. it's going to yeah. be fucking freezing mm-hmm. no one is at their best at four o'clock in the morning nope. it's going to be tough on everyone yeah and people are going to move at half the speed mm-hmm. yeah Very and true. on a short schedule that is quite tough night shoots i moved yeah. there was yeah. so much night stuff on uh nights of camelot that 
We, I was just like, I'll never, for I'm one, never gonna do this. we're never going to do this, but yeah. also we don't have the lights to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're lighting by fire or moon. No one has, there's no lights. No one has lights back then. Mm. So I just, we moved them all today, pretty yeah. much all of them because it was impossible. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to think outside the box like that and go, well, let's look at Does this it sensibly. It doesn't effect. have to be. And it looks cooler sometimes, but you're struggling now to light it with a bonfire and you've got, you know, 10 <laughs> people in the scene. How yeah. are you going to do that? Yeah. So how did the money come about that? You said you were brought on to hire how was the producers already in place? Were cast in place when you came on board? Yeah, it was like a it was like a package holiday, but a film. Yeah, um, a butt lens one or uh, yeah. no, 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 good, good. sandals, sandals. Um, good. Nice, nice. <laughs> no, actually, you must have been quite pleased. You're like, oh well, hang on, yeah. this is decent. It was great. I mean, um, yeah, the money was pretty much in place. So the producer's a guy called Garrett Anderson. So he wrote a book wrote called it. City oh. Boy. Ah, okay. Which um, he tried to get made into a film. The film didn't work out. He had a script written by J.J. Connolly, who wrote Layer Cake, mm-hmm. okay. which I've read. It's fantastic. Um, but the f- the script was written, it was developed. The whole project was sort of came about at the same time as Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And basically right. it covers similar ground. Okay. So that project didn't come off. He then sat down, credit to him, he sat down. He wrote a script that he could do for an EIS Sorry, SEIS, SEIS budget. level budget. Under 150. Yeah, yeah, although the budget ended up being 400. Okay. Yeah, he's quite open about that. He's sort of written about it and stuff, so I'm not okay. giving anything away. Um, and he was counting on the fact that his brother-in-law, who was Craig Kelly, who was in Queer as Folk mm-hmm. and Titanic, um, <laughs> I'm sure that he, loves he that could one. rope in all of his actor friends mm-hmm. from, you know, back was, in the day yeah. and so on to come and do cameos in this film. Yeah. So that's the reason why people like Jason Fleming and Chris Marshall and Sean right. Parks and Hugo Spear and Francis Barber. That's why they all chipped in. God, yeah. Um, so that's quite an appealing prospect. Well, yeah. it would be. Yeah, that's that is appealing. You're like, well, I'd go. Okay, yeah, let's let's do that. That looks great. So you're now going fine. Money's in place, ready to go, pretty much. Yeah. Right. What's your directing style like then? Are you? Did you come in and say, okay, here's how I want to do this? Do you storyboard? Do you? Shot list in a There was way. one sequence that we storyboarded, and that was there's a nightmare sequence in the film where the lead character, Greg, played by Craig Kelly, is mm-hmm. running around uh, St. Anne's Pier in Lytham St. Anne's, which is down the road from Blackpool. Um, that we did storyboard because it was quite specific. There were effects, prosthetics, and this, that, and the other. Yeah. So, but apart from that, it was quite, it, it, was, it was basically a case of unleashing these really quite experienced actors mm-hmm. on a location, running it through with them. Right. When they were happy with what they were doing, it was a case of breaking it down, working with the DP, working out shots. There were a few shots that we knew we wanted to get in advance, mm. but it was pretty much on the fly. Mm. Do you like working that way? Because we were talking about yeah. this earlier, I think, mm. um, about how you can overshot this sometimes, but yeah, that yeah. can be a good thing. But uh, is that necessarily where we want to go as filmmakers sometimes it's nice to be free i think i mean i think if you're doing a sequence that is precise in the sense of it's a stunt sequence or it's a special effects sequence or whatever i think it makes perfect sense i think for a scene with three people in a room talking it's pointless Mm. i I would say Um, because i think from the actor's point of view they want to feel that they've got as much freedom as possible Mm -hmm. and i think if you come in with a sort of preconceived idea of how you want them to move and look and walk and talk i think that can be quite negative Mm. so i'm very much in favor of letting them do their bit 
And then once you've seen them do their bit, work out how you're going to do your bit. Mm. And if you and the DP are working well enough, you will you will know the style that you want to shoot in. Yep. And you will basically apply that to whatever the particular scene is. Mm. Got you. I think keeping it as a sort of open forum, I think the most important thing is, is that you as a director appear to be open. Yeah. As yeah. much as possible, mm. because ultimately, you know, certainly with that lot, you know, there's a hell of a lot of experience there. You know, yeah. it is a bit like I did at times feel not in a bad way, but I felt a bit like a sort of first year hanging out with the sick formers, you know, <laughs> which is which in some ways is great because you're, you know, you're benefiting from mm. this incredible wealth of experience and talent that they have. Mm. Yeah. But I think you also have to sort of as a director, I think you have to know when to assert yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you're you're the as in, you know, Craig was in um, Titanic, but you're the captain of the ship. Yeah. Yeah. So technically, you've got to be the leader. You've they, they have to look to you like almost a father figure or mother figure that you're you're there to look after them. And actors can be very vulnerable uh, and worried about their performance and how they look. And as long mm. as you make sure they feel okay, and you're yeah. going, well, actually, I've got my arm around you metaphorically, and I can support you. Mm. I know that you didn't do a good take there and don't worry, we're doing another one, you know? I think as long as you, you know, it's all about managing expectations. And I think as long as you have, you know, decent conversations before you step on set with people Mm. about, you know, so for instance, with this film, um, a big influence on on Trick or Treat, because I remember someone saying to me, you know, in fact, one of the, in fact, the lead actors saying, how are you going to shoot this? Is it going to be really gritty? Mm. And I was like, hmm. I don't. I just didn't feel that the script warranted a gritty approach because it's quite quirky. It's quite wacky. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, I felt that a sort of stylized approach would work the best because mm-hmm. it's got it's quite hallucinatory and uh, you know it's it's heightened. It is heightened, but so um, so I had sort of concepts for all the different characters. So the two henchmen, you know, I felt that one of them. Clarence, played by Sean Parks, would be inc- impeccably dressed. Right. Uh, I felt that um, Leslie, played by Jamie Sivers, would be a sort of frustrated country and western singer. Don't ask me why. Um, who wears sunglasses all the time, all even the time. at night? You mm. know. Um, so I think as long as you, I think as long as you explore these things before you actually start, as much as is possible, mm. I think then everyone understands the character, and you don't have to do that explaining on set which you never want to do you no. want to try and do as much as you can before you want to say as little as possible absolutely yeah, yeah. How, when did you shoot this movie did it take uh, a while end of 2017 beginning of 2018 okay mm-hmm. uh, normal for a film yeah. to get released yeah normal i mean yeah 23 days some in blackpool some down here i mean the thing that took a long time was post-production mm. what was the reason for that the reason for that was that there was there was an edit of the film which I wasn't happy with. Okay. Right. And not for any other reason than that it just wasn't what I had in mind. That's not to say it was a bad edit. It wasn't mm-hmm. a bad edit. It was mm-hmm. fine. Lots of people watched it and said, yeah, great. But I felt that we'd made a different sort of film. Yes. And there were various things that I wanted to bring out that had been part of my original planning. And I had not had the opportunity for more than a couple of days to sit next to the editor and work on the film. And that is something I will not do again or rather not, not do again. Mm. Um, So I took 
took the, you know, there was a good foundation, mm -hmm. just to be clear. Um, and I edited the film. I did it, my own edit of the film um, over the course of six weeks last summer. Um, and it, it, yeah, that's one of the reasons it took such a long time. Wow. So did you start from scratch again or did you, so you said you had a foundation, so you worked with... Uh, yeah, I didn't what start from already? scratch, but I sort of, you know, there was a lot of alternate takes and things that I put in. It, it was more a question of just taste and preference, mm -hmm. yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. and everyone's yeah. different. Totally. And I just felt that, you know, put it this way, it's a, it's a sort of darkly humorous film, but I didn't want to emphasize the humor too much through the performances mm. because I think it's easy to, you know, push the humor mm -hmm. if you're not mm -hmm. careful and I was in favor of takes where the humor wasn't, was very underplayed yeah. and wasn't forced particularly, yeah. you know, and uh, take six, you know, anyone, frankly, tends to sort of gets a bit bored and will sort of mm -hmm. go a bit wacky. Mm -hmm. um, and if that's what the film needs, great. Yeah. But I felt that this film should be as realistic performance wise as possible no matter what they were wearing or doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to at least ground it in a bit of reality. Mm. So that was my sort of particular kind of challenge. And I also, I like, I like quite snappy editing. Yeah. I get yeah, bored yeah. quite quickly. Yeah. Um, so I like quite a rapid rate of sort of shots, mm -hmm. especially when you've got, you know, quite long scenes of people in cars talking. That's, I mean, yeah. You know, and it's like, fucking hell. Uh, okay, great. But, you know, I want to sort of, I want to be visually stimulated. Yes. You know? um, well, you kept cutting, is cars a perfect example here. As you, you, you drive along stuff, you'd be constantly moving from side to side. I was like, wow, they, that's really cool. With the camera on the bonnet, then it'd be on a single, then it'd be there, or then you cut to the wide of it. And I was like, okay, this is keeping the pace moving along rather than holding on stuff. But what you said there about people who act as, in, in a great way, on the last take, you'll sort of go, well, one more for you. Let's make this really fun. And everyone goes, oh my God, that's hilarious. That's the one. And often editors can hear that or it'll get marked right. down as the best yeah. one. Yeah. Then it goes yeah. in. And it's a bit like, no, that's not no. the tone. It doesn't fit yeah. what we're yeah. doing yeah. here. And you have to bring it back. And it's a really but I hate, good point. You know, I, I personally, I, I hate it when, when, when um, you know, the, the, the script supervisor says, you know, which take did you like? Yeah, I know. It's like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, ask me in six months' time, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, which sounds really indecisive and sort of pathetic, but I think I just think it's very hard to know on the spot. You know? It's impossible because yeah. you're yeah, not seeing the yeah, whole thing. Exactly what comes before and afterwards, and the, and the tone, the pacing of it. And you don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what the other performance is doing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's fascinating, isn't it, this whole this whole journey. Um, so look, um, Truck or Treat is out now, even though technically this will be going out in a week's time. So, But it is out in the UK at the moment, can, where can people see it? They can see it uh, at Odeon Cinemas in the Blackpool area. That being Cleveland's Preston, Southport. Uh, and it's coming out, download and streaming and all that stuff, uh, I believe, in February of 2020. Amazing. Great. It's a super film. It's really well made. I really enjoyed it. I love the performances. The colours were beautiful. You made Blackpool look amazing, which is, you know... 
<laughs> beach in itself. Careful. Uh, I've got careful. That's your lawyer. <laughs> Uh, the poster is amazing as well. If you've not seen the poster, it's cool as fuck. I'll be tweeting about that uh, when this podcast goes out. So you will see that as well. Um, thank you very much. And we really appreciate you coming down. No problem. You're welcome. Where can people follow you and see your journey as well as a filmmaker and get in touch? Where can you follow me? Like yeah. down, down the street? Please. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, we know where the pub is. Uh, we know where the pub is. Yeah. Guy Ritch- <laughs> you and Guy Ritchie <laughs> hanging out with <laughs> other name drops. Um, so my Twitter <laughs> is at Magma Pictures, M-A-G-M-A pictures trick or treat yes oh god i don't even know what it is i think it's trick or treat at trick or treat uk Um, there you go are you you running the account no right (laughs) so we don't anything could go on there no idea (laughs) what's going on absolutely nothing to do with me no exactly is that is that evolutionary films running that probably okay the lovely ross and john there um that is amazing. I'm really excited for the release in February. Great. Oh, nice. Well, that's good. Well, that's, I'm really glad that you continue to make films. I think it's really important. I think you're a great filmmaker. And I look forward Thanks. to the next film you do. I love the way you laughed like an Englishman. <laughs> we struggle, don't we, as English yeah. people oh, to, no. yeah. to say, oh, yes, maybe I am a filmmaker. It's hard to do it. But we are filmmakers. Yes. Yeah, Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's all we, we can, can do. make films. Uh, Matthew, where can people follow you? Oh, uh, Fizz Ginger Films or M. Butler Hart. Uh, yeah. Amazing, I think oh, people were sold on that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just put um, Fizz Ginger in. Fizz Ginger Films, you're yeah. fine. Fizz Ginger Films and at Tory Butler Heart, I think. Yeah, that's I right. I don't know. I, know I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. Tory Butler Heart, it's yeah. at Tory Butler Heart. There you go. I say mine so much that it's yeah. just at Giles Alderson. It's like, well, that's my name. So it's yeah. a nice one. I it's should easy. be able to remember it. You're yeah. right. And the Filmmakers Podcast is at Filmmakers Pod. Uh, and go to our website, filmmakerspodcast.com, where you can get a whole back catalogue of over 130 podcasts now, all about how you can make your film and get out there and do it because it's so important because you can do it. Uh, there's no excuses now, especially these days. You can go out and make your film if you want to. Uh, remember why you're doing it. Uh, if it's for love, don't get too stressed. If you're doing it because you want to earn money, don't get too stressed. It's very unlikely you are going to do very well that way. But uh, filmmaking on the ridiculously hard is a blessing. Thank you very much for your time, Ed. Really appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Matthew and Tori, thank you for guest hosting with me. Thanks. For thank having you for having us. us. Absolute pleasure. Being prepared is everything. You can make your indie film, but know who your audience is and get out there and do it. And remember, if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, then... Send the elevator back down. It's your duty. It's your duty. It's your duty. To send the elevator back down. Yeah, it was yeah, obvious. Yeah. Every week. Uh, until next Tuesday, <laughs> we will see you then. Thank you very much, everyone. Make your film. Go and make it happen. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>